Our reading this morning comes from the poet Galway Kinnell, and the poem is called St. Francis and the Sow. The bud stands for all things, even for those things that don't flower, for everything flowers from within of self-blessing, though sometimes it is necessary to reteach a thing its loveliness to put a hand on its brow of a flower and retell it in words and in touch. It is lovely until it flowers again from within of self-blessing. As St. Francis put his hand on the creased forehead of the sow and told her in words and in touch, blessings of the earth on the sow. And the sow began remembering all down her thick length from the earthen snout all the way through the fodder and slops to the spiritual curl of the tail. From the hard spininess spiked out from the spine down through the great broken heart to the sheer blue milken dreaminess spurting and shuddering from the 14 teats into the 14 mouths sucking and blowing beneath them the long perfect loveliness of the sound. So I'll tell you, when I first remembered that on this first Sunday in this series on sex and the spirit that it would be a sharing Sunday and the kids were going to be in here for the beginning, I panicked just a little bit. (laughs) But it's working. I tell you, seeing all the beautiful kids up front and Lauren remembering how beautiful all of us are, it's working. So... Here we are, the first in the beginning of this series on sex and the spirit. I'm guessing some of you are here maybe a little excited or interested, others maybe nervous or wary, others wondering what the heck you just walked into as a visitor. (laughs) So, whatever feelings you're having, don't worry, I promise I will be gentle today as we begin this conversation. I have a simple message for us, but I'm not going to go there just yet. Because first, I absolutely have to say thank you. Thank you, first of all, to our musicians. Thank you for taking us where words alone can't always bring us to that place of risk and vulnerability and truth-telling that we need. For those memories of when we felt whole, when we knew without a doubt how wonderful our bodies were, and those moments, too, when it began to break apart for us. For that truth-telling and vulnerability of the Carol King song earlier, because after all, don't most of us wonder when we've been vulnerable with our bodies or our words, will you still love me tomorrow? These are true places. So I say thank you to our musicians, and I say thank you, too, to three members of our congregation, three of you who sat with Justin and I as we prepared for this sermon series, three of you who are trained in the realm of human sexuality, who are sex therapists, who helped us think through the range of topics and how to hold this time. I'll tell you, I learned a lot in that conversation, and I learned something I didn't expect either. I may not actually have the most awkward job title, when it comes to introducing myself in cocktail party conversation. (laughs) 
So here we are. Here we are together, and I want to let you in a little bit on that conversation Justin and I had with the three members of our church. A couple of things came clear in that conversation that I want to share with you as we begin this journey together. The first and perhaps the most important thing that came clear is that our hope, our biggest hope of this four-week series is that we make room here, that we make space, that we create a healthy, safe space for all of us with whatever we bring here. That whether we are male or female or transgender, whether we are single or in relationships, whether we are old or young, straight or gay or lesbian or bisexual or questioning, whether we are addicted or recovering or not, whether we're living with a history of abuse or a right now experience of it, our hope is to make room for all of that, for all of us, with the real-life experiences we bring with all that the world has taught us, with our hopes and joys, our worries and our wounds, that we can be here together. Now, the second thing that came out of that conversation, and certainly from a lot of thinking later, too, is that even though I and we will all do our very best in this conversation together, I think it is inevitable that we will misstep, that we might forget or make a mistake. And so my hope is that we might enter into this series, to this time together, in a spirit of gentleness with each other. So with that said, let's get into it. Let's get to this, to this idea of sex and the spirit. And I hate to disappoint you too much today. But I'm not going to begin somewhere all that racy. I'm going to begin somewhere that I think is foundational for any conversation about sex and sexuality and spirituality. I'm going to begin right here with our bodies, these places we live. So my message, I'm going to share it with you even though all my preaching teachers would say, hold on to it till the end. I'm going to tell you about it at the beginning. My message is clear. We live in bodies. We live in bodies, and our bodies are good. We live in bodies, and our bodies are good. I think we know this when we are born, and yet, along the way, we forget. Along the way, people tell us to put our shirt back on. They tell us we can't act or be or say things a certain way. Along the way, that wholeness I think we are born with gets corrupted bit by bit. So this is where we start. We live in our bodies, and our bodies are good. Now, I think we know this much of the time in our mind. We know it intellectually. But when our bodies stop working the way we want them to, when they don't look exactly the way that we want them to, maybe when we have a good moment with our bodies and we experience pleasure or joy or strength, maybe then we remember that we live right here in this flesh and bone, but I think so often we forget. We forget that we are housed right here in wonderful, improbable bodies that can inspire and limit us, but that hold us and house us. We live in these bodies, and these bodies are good. 
Now, I don't know if you remember all the way back to when you were born, to when you were an infant. I don't, but other people have told me about it, and I've spent a lot of time with babies and toddlers and kids. And I can tell you that after watching a whole lot of babies, after hearing stories, I know without a doubt that children, that we are born, all of us, we arrive here whole. And we arrive here intimately connected to our bodies and the bodies of those around us. When we're born, our bodies are absolutely fascinating things. We spend all this time trying to figure out how our arms and our hands are actually connected to us. We wonder at our fingers and toes. We put our hands on people's faces and in their mouth. And as I was saying this at the earlier service, a kid stuck his finger up his mom's nose. I mean, it's... It's intimate the way we are when we are little, as we explore and come to know each other's bodies. There's a fascination and a wonder there. As we get a little older, as we turn into toddlers and kids, we snuggle in close to those who love us. We climb trees and pick flowers. We cry and we ride our bikes and we feel the sun on our chest and we know that it's good. We know what that feels like. We love the soft flesh of our bodies and of those around us. When we are born, we are born whole, knowing the simple truth I think we struggle with today, that we live in bodies, these bodies right here, and these bodies are good. I think we know that as we get older, Right As we move past toddler and maybe some of kiddom, things begin to change for most of us in our relationship with our body. We have people telling us to do stuff, telling us what we can do or can't do, what we ought to be ashamed of, what's welcomed and what is pushed aside. And when I think about this, the way that the world starts to come in on us and our bodies, disconnecting us, I think about the whiteout that Justin talked about last week, the way he described the story of how farmers would tie a rope from their back door to the barn so that when the blizzard hit, they could find their way back and forth, a lifeline to hold on to. Well, I'll tell you, I think one of those lifelines for us is that we live in bodies and that these bodies are good, but the whiteout is all around us. This blizzard, this metaphorical blizzard comes in the shape of, you know, the interpretations of the original story of Christianity that teaches us to cover our bodies in shame. It comes from theological ancestors, from those who divided body and mind, who separated nature and reason. It comes from those who came before us who taught us to distrust any physical pleasure. I'll tell you, I have a hard time with that for many reasons, one of which was I was here at the Valentine's dance last night, and we were dancing, and it was anything but bad. It was a lot of fun. The whiteout, the blizzard, takes its shape in so many different ways. The whiteout comes in in the form of present-day religious institutions that say, in order to lead, you must renounce your sexuality altogether. The whiteout comes in in the form of Boy Scout leaders who say, you know what, unless the Boy Scout leaders who say that we can't have a gay leader in there because it will corrupt another. The whiteout comes through modern science that says that our bodies can be reduced to pure matter. The whiteout comes through magazine ads, through Victoria's Secret ads, those sexualized images of men and women and transgender people that are out there that push us into a box. 
that say there is only one way to be, only one way to look, to be worthy, only certain things that are okay to love or desire. In this world, there is a whiteout of shame and disconnection, and it's all about our bodies, pushing us away from them, teaching us they are not good or whole or worthy. And so it's no wonder that it's such a challenge, I think, for most of us to get back to the fundamental truth we are born with. We live in bodies, and these bodies are good. Sometimes it is necessary to reteach a thing its loveliness. Sometimes it is necessary to reteach a thing its loveliness, the poet said this morning. Sometimes it is necessary to place a hand on a forehead to tell in words and in actions the loveliness we see in one another, that we might bloom again from within of self-blessing. Sometimes it is necessary to reteach a thing its loveliness. And I think this is true with our bodies. A couple of years ago, back in western New York, in Rochester, where I came from before here, the CEO of the medical system there was in an accident. He was an avid bike rider. He was fit and driven and active, known by everyone as someone you didn't want to bump into in the hallway, right? He wouldn't have been looking up. So he got in this bike accident. He was riding his way through these winding country roads out by the lake, and he swerved to miss a car that was coming his way. He rolled over the handlebars, and he broke his neck. And as he was lying there on the pavement, Dr. Burke correctly diagnosed himself. He figured out what needed to happen next, and when folks came to help him, he was giving the orders about what to do and not to do until he was flown to the hospital that he oversaw. Now, over time, surgery stabilized his spine, but the injury left him paralyzed and on a ventilator for a while, communicating only by blinking and nodding. It took two weeks in the intensive care unit and six months in a rehabilitation hospital and all kinds of time and effort in occupational and physical therapy. And through all of this, the doctor regained some of his physical function. And I think he surprised all of us when nine months after his accident, he arrived back to work there at the hospital. But he arrived back moving through the hallways differently than he had before. Instead of striding with his Blackberry in hand, engrossed in what he was doing and planning, instead he was moving slowly, rolling through the hallways in his motorized wheelchair using his non-dominant left hand now, the one that he had regained some function in, to direct him. Now as you can imagine, this experience changed him. And this experience that he had, it changed the way that he led the hospital too. He tells his story to folks over and over, and each time he does, he comes back to one moment. He had been in the intensive care unit for 10 days, he says, 10 days of intense pain and wondering what his life was going to be like, 10 days of feeling locked inside his own head and body, not being able to communicate. And it was then, after these 10 days, that a nurse approached him. And she said, you know, Dr. Burke, I've always admired how well-kept your hair is, 
but frankly, you look awful right now. He was still on a ventilator, and she asked him, would you like me to wash your hair? He said yes, with his blink. Now, he was only able to feel his head at that time. He didn't have sensation in any other part of his body. And he says that as she gave him that shampoo, as she washed his hair, it was the most pleasurable thing, the only pleasurable thing he had experienced in those 10 days since the accident. He says that simple act was enormously restorative to my spirit. It was a simple thing, a hand literally on the brow of another, reteaching loveliness to that broken body. These bodies of ours, they grow old and frail, they buck and break whether we are young or old, and there are times when we feel anything but good. There are moments when we are racked with pain or anxiety. There are moments when our bodies sure do not feel like our friend. And I am guessing that that may be an experience that some of you are having right now. When I say your body is good, you're like, no, no, I don't think so. (laughs) Not me, not now. So this is my hope. Because I know that that moment, that time comes for all of us, whether it's right now or in some future date, that time when we question our body and its goodness. My hope is that even if no words from this sermon carry into that time and space, my hope is that the feeling that you're having right now does. The feeling of being here in this community, shoulder to shoulder with people who are grateful that you were born, grateful that you are here in your flesh and bone and stardust body, right now. I hope that you know that whatever happens in your life and after, that we will tell and retell the tale of your loveliness to you, to all those we know, that we will learn again our own beauty. My hope is that whenever that moment strikes, you will remember the feeling right here, right now. And that there might be some gesture, some word or action that reteaches you your loveliness. Now I say all of this because we live in this crazy making world. I say all of this because we live in this world where the whiteout is here for sure. The whiteout of all kinds of opinions and ideas about who we should be and how we should look and what we should like and what we should do. We live in this world, this crazy-making world that denies death and illness and aging. We live in a world that teaches us more often than not to live disconnected from, distrusting, disliking our bodies, our homes. So what are we to do about all of this? How are we to love these bodies of ours, these wonderful homes we live in? How are we to place a hand on our own brow and the brow of each other and re-teach ourselves and each other our own loveliness? Well, there are a whole lot of different ways to do it, and I trust that you are probably already doing some of them. Let me offer a few others. We can re-teach ourselves our own loveliness when we give our bodies the fuel that they need, the light, the water, the food, the touch, the sensation we crave. 
We can do it when we look at one another, when we look at ourselves with soft, uncritical eyes. We can do it by limiting the harmful images and expectations that come in to us. We can do it with the way that we speak about ourselves and others, both inside and outside of our heads. And there's one other way we can do it, too. When we find, find ourselves loathing or disliking our body, the author and theologian Barbara Brown Taylor says, when we find ourselves loathing and disliking our body, then that is exactly the time to enter into a new spiritual practice. And the spiritual practice, she says, is praying naked in front of a full-length mirror. <laughs> now, I know that I'm at risk in this congregation of becoming known as the minister that keeps putting out, you know, spiritual practices that can be done in your bathroom. I know. That's also against all the rules of good preaching, so sorry. But I think this is a good thing to consider. She says this. Maybe you think you are too heavy. Maybe you've never liked the way your hip bones stick out. Do your breasts sag? Are you too hairy? It is always something. Then again, maybe you have been sick or come through some surgery that has changed the way that you look. Whether you are sick or well, she says, lovely or irregular, there comes a time when it is vitally important for your spiritual health to drop your clothes, look in the mirror, and say, here I am. This is the body like no other that my life has shaped. I live here. This is my soul's address. After you've taken a good look around, she says, you might decide that there is a lot to be thankful for, all things considered. Bodies take real beatings. That they heal from most things is an underrated miracle. That they give birth, that they participate in life is beyond reckoning. When I do this, she says, when I pray naked in front of a full-length mirror, I generally decide that it is time to do a better job of wearing my skin with gratitude instead of loathing. Gratitude instead of loathing. So, whatever you try, whatever spiritual practice you take up or continue, I hope that you might know that feeling, whether you give it to yourself or someone else, of a hand on the forehead, of someone seeing the beauty in you, of you seeing the beauty in you, that you might blossom again from inside, that we might reteach ourselves our own loveliness. It is my prayer that we might offer ourselves the same love and compassion we so freely offer each other and the children of this church. Might we love ourselves again, right here in these bodies. May it be so, and amen.